0: Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags. And let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, The X-Men. Welcome back, I'm Brian, and the sleepy person across <laughs> from me is I'm Inessa. Alright, um, you're hanging by a thread yeah, over no, there. Yeah,
1: no, no, I'm like extra sleepy today. I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, we're going to push through. It uh, is
0: mid-afternoon on a Sunday. Uh, full disclosure, I took a nap. Short nap. I did not I take a nap. I was for like about 15 minutes, I think, while uh, our daughter and I were watching the Goldmore Girls, which is an awesome TV show.
1: Uh, Period. I took a walk. And earlier today, I took a Zyrtec, which I think has made me kind of groggy.
0: I had a Zyrtec last night.
1: Yeah. And I think the Gilmore Girls is actually only an average TV show. So Let's, let's
0: move on here. <laughs> <Dear. laughs> Those
1: are differences between mine and Brian's afternoon and also things that we think.
0: <laughs> right. So um, speaking of ways in which you are wrong... <laughs> Uh, and we weren't. <laughs> we were not per se. Yeah, we, we we probably don't want to kick this hornet's nest. Anyway, um, I think the Gilmore Girls is an awesome show, uh, and this is one of the uh, fantastic illustrations of how I love you anyway, despite mm-hmm. your know, you know, our differences and uh, your flaws. Yeah, I think it's just okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's anyway. hop into let's hop into a recap. Uh, we we. People don't tune in to this podcast.
1: To know what we think about the Gilmore Girls. No, they don't
0: tune in. They don't tune in at all. At all. Yeah, fair. But those who do they don't, don't wanna, care yeah. what we think about uh, sort of twee, uh, witty banter uh, between two two women who uh, live in Connecticut. Yeah. That's not why they're here. That's not, why, it's they're not here. why they're
1: here. Yeah. They're to, actually, to relive
0: the early odds. The early yeah, they're
1: actually not even here. So.
0: They're not even here. uh let's give them a reason to show up let's let's recap this let's recap this motherfucker
1: okay uncanny x-men issue 181 is called tokyo story you laughed
0: (laughs) god that's that's cool
1: it's called tokyo story although i prefer young dragons in love from the front page and was published in may of 1984 The cover shows Lockheed shooting fire into the eye of a much larger, much greener dragon, as well as the X-Men, all the X-Men apart from Xavier, sprawled all over the X-Men logo. Sprawled? They're sort of sprawled.
0: Yeah, cool. It's a good word.
1: right. We open in Japan. We know because there's a footnote telling us that the kids saying, it's a bird, it's a plane, are being, quote, translated from the Japanese. I guess they have that expression over there, too. Turns out it's neither a bird nor a plane. It's a huge fuck-off dragon. <laughs> Do the kids panic? Nope. Because I guess this sort of crazy shit happens all the time in Japan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Japan's crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. They look it up in their monster book, as one does, and find that it is a new monster. Suddenly, there are people under the dragon. They land and also happen to be in the book, so the kids identify them as the X-Men. Because, again, this happens frequently One of the kids calmly offers Xavier some tea.
0: In a a Spider-Man branded thermos.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that. That's funny. All right. The X-Men thought they were landing in Central Park, but Wolverine knows right away where they are. Japan, Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Japan, Japan. Obviously, some shit has gone down, but if you want to know what it is, you need to buy The Secret Wars. In real life... They've been gone a week, but I'm told the Secret Wars stretches out over a year. We can talk about that later. They realize Kitty may need help, and Xavier commands Rogue to fly home and check it out. Rogue looks to Storm and says, I thought you were giving the orders around here. Uh This brings up an interesting question of who is in charge now that Charles is in the fray. Wolverine has some pretty mature thoughts on all this, and we can discuss those later. We also learn that the dragon has come has come with them from wherever they were, that it's a girl, that she has some sort of relationship with Lockheed, mm-hmm. and that she's now much bigger than she used to be. Next, we're in the war room of Japan's self-defense forces. When told about the dragon, the commander hilariously replies, it can't be, this is the off-season. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: All of Monster Island's monsters are accounted for, so what the fuck is this? They decide to throw some firepower at the dragon. Also, Riko is there for some reason.
0: Uh, they're in japan i mean it, it, it's like any movie- she's like a
1: like a like a crime boss
0: <laughs> it, and also anytime that they're in japan it, it, it's like anytime you watch a movie from the uk bill nye is by law required to be in it <laughs>
1: yeah fair yeah. um all right meanwhile the x-men fly to tokyo or i guess storm flies and the rest of them get pulled along by her wind this does this does beg the question of how the non-flying X-Men actually travel. Commercial airlines? That makes me wonder about luggage and also whether Peter's leotard is part of his metal self or something he puts on over his metal self and so has to carry in checked luggage when he travels.
0: I'm going to touch on all of those points shortly. All of those points. Carry on. I don't think that you are. I will. No, I, I have 100%. Well, I've, I've been... I've, I don't want to, I don't want to disrupt your flow any more than I already am. <laughs>
1: Whatever. Anyway, the dragon is destroying Tokyo and no one is sure why, but Xavier can tell that her reasons make perfect sense to her. Storm gives everyone a job to do. Peter, happy to be distracted from the sad thing you have to read the secret wars to know about, is destroying falling debris. Storm is hurtling out to sea, hurling it out to sea. Nightcrawler teleports people out of harm's way. Xavier and Wolverine are finding people that are trapped. Xavier tries to mind meld with the dragon, and she throws a building at him. Just in the nick of time, Sunfire shows up. Not sure who that is, but I guess. <laughs> but I guess a place that has a monster island is entitled to its own costume superhero. Mm-hmm. While Sunfire Sunfire tries unsuccessfully to keep Xavier from being buried in debris, the military unleashes on the dragon with little effect. Yep. Cut to Tahiti.
0: <laughs> yeah, cut, cut to Tahiti.
1: Madeline is mourning Scott's disappearance while wearing a sweatshirt, bikini bottoms, and heels.
0: By the way, I I was was, was waiting to see how you were going to describe her shoes, (laughs) and you were, like, way nicer about it than I would have been. Those are heels. Those are fuck me, pumps.
1: (laughs) Funny when people say pumps, because the only people that like to me, a pump is a very, very low heel, I would not call Fair. anything I mean, other than like a two inch heel a pump. But I'm, I'm way out of my depth, pumps, depth always, in terms uh, of heels uh, uh, versus me,
0: pumps. Yeah. But like, like, there's, I mean, do you say fuck me heels? I mean, like, like sure. FM, do you? okay, I've only ever heard of you know the FMP, mm. okay, anyway, so wearing some FMHs, right? Yeah.
1: Uh, when Scott falls from the sky wearing a crop top and short shorts.
0: <laughs> Bad choices <laughs> all
1: around. Yeah, yeah. They have an unhealthy little competition about who had the worst week and then agree that for them, for better or worse, means that sometimes Scott will get kidnapped by some evil thing for over a week and they both just have to live with it.
0: That was part of our wedding vows, actually. By the way, <laughs> happy happy anniversary to us happy from yesterday. Happy anniversary to yeah, us yeah. from and yesterday. Sickness and health and uh, uh, alien abduction and not that.
1: Yeah. And all the things that come in between. In between. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Alien abduction and not alien (laughs) abduction. Yeah.
1: All right. Back to Tokyo. The dragon is really on a rampage and Xavier flips the fuck out because he's buried under rubble and can't move his legs again. Wolverine tells him to man up. You can't move your legs. Oh, oh,
0: your legs can't move. Oh, poor, poor, oh.
1: (laughs) Wolverine tells him to man up and wait his turn to be rescued. Wolverine finds a dying mother and promises to look after her child in a surprisingly moving little mini-scene. Back to more dragon shenanigans. Aurora and Sunfire are swept up in some wind or something and drop right back at the park with the kids. Things are looking grim when Lockheed shows up and gives the much bigger dragon a snout full of fire. I love the line, How could Lockheed treat her so when she had given him her
0: hearts? Hearts? Yeah. You see the plural. Okay, Yeah. yeah.
1: Apparently this was an unrequited love situation. Very sad. Very sad. The dragon is moving towards Soviet airspace much to the relief of the Japanese when she disappears from radar along with Lockheed.
0: We should be serious. Note space about there. that later. Okay, yeah, cool.
1: Tokyo is a mess but with little loss of life. Mariko sees Wolverine on TV and has a wistful moment but knows they both serve a purpose greater than their love, I guess. <laughs> Wolverine has some wise words about love making you crazy. And I guess at this point, a smarter person than me was meant to realize that the Lady Dragon was tearing up Tokyo to build a nest for her and Lockheed. Yeah. But I needed to read that in Jason Powell's book. Oh, okay. That was not obvious to me. Yeah. Uh, in the epilogue, we're in Washington, D.C., Senator Kelly has put forward something called the Mutant Affairs Control Act. Yeah. His colleague calls it not that far removed from legalized slavery. And I guess we'll learn more about this next time. Yep. Uh, and then there are letters. I had been looking forward to the Wolverine's letters, turn, yeah. and here it is. I love these letters, and I agree with the first one. They really do seem like people to me.
0: Oh, yeah, they are. It's a disillusion, you bub, but we are people. <laughs> okay, so uh, how do the X Men travel? All right, they've traveled by air on a couple of occasions. Most of the time that they travel by air, they take the Blackbird, which is the oh, X Men's right. jet. Um, they traveled to Japan. Like on a commercial flight. They had Mariko's uh, airplane, like private he, four, 747 all to themselves. Mm. So they have, I want to say, never flown commercial. So Colossus does not need to check a bag. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's that. <laughs> Thanks for
1: listening, folks. <laughs> yeah.
0: We've cleared that up.
1: Yeah. We've got that all wrapped up.
0: Uh what else uh, did we did we want to touch on? We will talk
1: about uh, you know both both. Uh, I wrote down everyone keeps mansplaining Storm's command.
0: Um, th- in this issue, you mean? And
1: apparently, in the past, I mean, I, I can't think of a concrete yeah. example. You know, they they talk about Scott sort of undermining her leadership. Th- uh,
0: that has happened in Professor X's. Professor X is. Equal opportunity when he undermines somebody's leadership, because again, everyone Professor X is a dick, kind of a dick. Actually, Professor Xavier is a jerk canonically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So in um, yeah, this happens. I'm going to rope in the Secret Wars here for this. So the Secret Wars is is a 12 issue long series that you do not need to read. That's
1: what you said
0: last, Uh, unless actually. Out of a sense of kind of morbid curiosity, yeah, go ahead. Um, it is maybe a weird window into how Jim Shooter sees all of these characters and the art of <laughs> kind of storytelling. And uh, it, 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 as I said last week, you know, it doesn't doesn't really lend a whole lot of evidence to to him being just a really master craftsman yeah. in terms of narrative. Right. Um, specifically with respect to the X-Men, Shooter, I think, was getting it back to a Silver Age, uh, situation. Professor X calling all the shots. Right. Uh, and I think once Jim Shooter realized, oh, Professor X can walk,
1: <laughs> this is
0: awesome. Yeah. Because now he's going to be right in the front in the thick of things, uh, Shouting commands and so on. And that is what happens in The Secret Wars. It's a dynamic that never, I shouldn't say never, didn't work all that well for Claremont in The X-Men mm-hmm. at all. Um, parenthetical aside, I'm rereading all of the earlier Claremonts right. as well. And, um, oh gosh, it's like issue 128 or, or 131 or something like that. Uh, Professor X is back from being in another galaxy with Lalandra, mm-hmm. and so Wolver... And so he, so Shooter. Sorry, Shooter is said Jossled to. It. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Shooter said to Bernard Claremont, "What makes the X Men? <laughs> it's going to sound hilarious. From my readers. Yeah. What makes the X Men different is that they're in a school, <laughs> so they have to be like students and in a school, and so forth." And so they ha- so, uh, Burn and Claremont are like, all right, we're gonna follow that command. Yeah. <laughs> in like the most passive aggressive, <laughs> like insubordinate way possible. Uh, and they have a thing that was like straight out of the Silver Age. If you read the Lee and Kirby ones, like the very first issue, uh, Professor X is like way worse, way more shallowly drawn than he is mm-hmm. now. Uh, anyway, so in this one, like issue 130 or whatever it is, um, Professor X is shouting at Wolverine because he's like getting lippy in the Danger Room. Yeah. Tell Wolverine that's ten demerits. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 that's exactly how you're supposed to react, right, right. <laughs> because it's like Burn and Claremont say like like, like, like uh, giving a middle finger at the gym shooter. Really, they're in a school. Yeah. Wolverine is not just middle aged; he's a hundred years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Professor X is in a, and at that time X was in a, in a wheelchair and all of the X-Men were no longer teenagers. Most of them were no longer teenagers. Um, so Secret Wars is, is Professor X acting on- Finally
1: getting the leadership uh, in the field that he's always
0: wanted. That Jim Shooter has always Jim wanted. Jim Shooter has always wanted, yeah. yeah. And so you get a little echo of this and maybe Claremont trying to take things back. There there, there had been a, a sort of a push and pull between uh, Cyclops and Storm. Yeah, I remember
1: that a little that's bit. That's going to happen I, again.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's going to come up again. But it, it was, um, you know, for, for the most part, I, I thought that, that, that um, Aurora's leadership was pretty solid. This issue notwithstanding. But... but um, but you'd say, like, everybody's mansplaining Sermon. In this issue, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in this issue. I mean, in this yeah. issue,
1: he's sort of pushy, and then um, Wolverine talks about it. In the issue, and then again in the letters.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and I like... Um, I, 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 hopefully I'm remembering this uh, properly, but uh, Wolverine's response generally to whoever's in charge is, I think, true to the character, and it is useful, uh, which is, okay, leaders have particular qualities so-and-so whoever it is that you know like, like araro does so hey she's in charge and if she's in charge let her be in charge and that kind of thing <sighs> um e- e- even though he's older <laughs> more experienced um he's the kind of character who wouldn't react well does not react well to authority but he's pragmatic enough and and, and respectful enough that he's like uh, the ladies in charge.
1: Yeah, have we compared <laughs> yeah. him to Amos from uh, the Expanse? We
0: yet? have not. That's
1: probably a rel- I mean, if you watch The Expanse, which you should, yeah, uh, probably relevant uh, comparison.
0: Yeah. And once we, um, once we initiate that metaphor, <laughs> we can we can talk about a lot of people who are like that. Uh, like Dirty Harry uh, would be a character that 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 has some similarities. So, so one of those qualities, um, uh, sort of, sort of, um, what's the word about not you know, not the wrong sort of masculinity? <sighs> well, generally, male, we'll say right, that. Right. Right. But um, it, it, uh, independent, violent, but has enough of a moral code. <laughs> That uh, the audience is not alienated from them, right,
1: and is not interested in leading themselves, not interested in the yeah. position of leadership
0: because of their independence, right? because um they are jaded enough to think, uh, like we're we're all gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> and they're and it's pointless to try and, and alter that. Right, but they're, happy
1: they're, happy to follow a trusted leader.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Amos is a great character, and I think finally with season five <laughs> of the Expanse, Ryan's invested. Yeah, I may be invested, and largely because of that character. The other thing about uh, characters like you know, Wolverine and Amos, you know, that you know, bend the rules to get the job done, <laughs> yeah, is with the wrong writer they will cater to the, the the worst elements of that where what they lean on is they're being exempt from rules and it's just taken as a given that societal rules are uh or an interference to, uh, to to a reasonable society right like Consider it like, like Dirty Harry would be. And, and I don't know how with familiar dirty you are. Harry, okay. I'm not very
1: familiar. I was thinking, actually sitting here thinking about James
0: Bond. Whether James Bond is sort of a no. similar. No. Okay. Um. There, there, are, there there's some overlap. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Independent, happy to break the rules a little bit. Uh, happy to follow. Kind of doesn't though. Follow I mean, a competent leader. Yeah.
0: Uh, but anyway. in, in terms of rule breaking, James Bond doesn't really have many. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rules of yeah. like you
1: shouldn't kill people like those sorts of rules,
0: but that's like that's not a rule that he has yeah. and and like none of his superiors like like M never calls him into the carpet uh, Bon that you know that that person was meant to stand trial uh, <laughs> there's one exception to it like he kills um no, no, he doesn't um like in free your eyes only the film not the short story uh the film For Your is only. Uh, yeah, like, you, you were meant to. You're meant to interrogate Havelock, not allow him to be killed by somebody else. Like that's the only reason oh, why they were pissed. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. Right? Okay. Not James Bond. Anyway, go on.
0: Uh, well, that was mostly. It. So it's so, like Dirty Harry is, is at that extreme, um, and, and and I of course find this this character problematic. Tony Soprano is not this, but um, you know, like the people who get real gleeful about Tony Soprano uh, would be the ones. So, hey, wouldn't it be great to? uh, not really have a job <laughs> and I get to womanize as much as I want. I get to beat the shit out of people and I get to kind of drink whenever I feel like it. Um, but he is, a, he is the leader in that story and, and yes. that's weighs on him heavily.
1: As, yes.
0: Yep. Yes, exactly. And, um, I, I, I I like Tony's. I, I like the character. I, I, the character is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The character is morally abhorrent, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm very happy that I don't know anyone like that. But he's a very interesting character to watch. Um, oh gosh, th- th- like there's some example like on the tip of my tongue. I'm trying to think like, like, like in college. Oh, I know what I'm thinking of. Um, among other things. I, I, uh, it was my freshman year. It was like in the dorms and I walked into somebody's room. They're watching like the tail end of Apocalypse Now. Have mm-hmm. you seen
1: Apocalypse Now? Recently? I have, but okay. not with any level of.
0: All right. So, you like know, at the detail. end of it, the end of it, um, Martin Sheen kills Marlon Brando. Yep. And like the dude who was watching it, he was an ROTC and really handsome some ideas that, you were know, maybe, you know, uh, problematic. We, yeah. Yeah. Like, like we hung out and, you know, we got on pretty well, but, but he and I, uh, you know, we, we, we parted company and, in, in certain key respects. Um, he was, he was thrilled with the Rodney King verdict. Mm. We'll say. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, listeners who, who might not have been alive at the time, Rodney King was, uh, African American who was pulled over by the LAPD who proceeded to beat the shit out of him. An event that was recorded on video. The officers were exonerated by a jury. Uh, following that decision, uh, there were riots in L.A. Yep. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so he was he was delighted by that. Uh, so anyway, so so apocalypse now at the very end of that. So so like Martin Sheen, like, like kills Marlon Brando. He's like, oh, he rocked his world. And I'm like, I don't think that was the emotion that <laughs> you were meant to, is right? going for. Like like. Brendan Sheen in Apocalypse now, he's not fucking Rambo, right? <laughs> um, all right, that was a long walk. Yeah, and, and I'm rambling. And um, no, you're fine because I'm. No, I'm not fine. I want to hear. I want to hear you talk. S-
1: slightly uh, catatonic.
0: We both are.
1: I think yeah. I'm a little more catatonic than you.
0: You are, but if you, if you <laughs> trust me, I mean, if recent experience is any indicator, then uh, once you start talking, it'll wake you up a little bit. I don't know
1: about that. Um, I had also written down. I wonder if anything comes of the kid that Wolverine rescued.
0: Um, did you, you? You're the Jason Powell thing. I about did. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, so we so know that I know nothing, that nothing really
1: comes yeah. of it. She yeah. does kind of reappear whenever he's in Japan, I guess. But does she? All right. I'm yeah. told. Like yeah. I read this on in a blog. Um, so the other thing that I did not piece together but read uh, was that in Days of Future Past, 1984 was yes. the year that all of that started. So right. it's like sort of looping around to the beginning of that.
0: You can't change the future. Narrative man. arc, yeah. Speaking of which, um, until I fell asleep, I was very much enjoying the Terminator on Friday night. Yeah, um, that movie's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, also came out in '84.
1: Hmm.
0: So, um, you know, Days of Future Past came before the Terminator, hmm. folks. Um, the Terminator is—it's funny, like, like that movie. Had they stopped after just the one, and of course, they're never going to fucking stop right. that once it, it becomes made successful. 20, yeah. Uh, Is just absolute proof that you can't change the. Uh, We went to the past, now we change the future in the Terminator. Terminator 2, gotta change it again. (laughs) Terminator 3, here we go, again with the future. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that was reading it. I mean, there was something familiar about all that, but then there's like a very common theme of, uh, you know, controlling. Mutants within yes. superhero stuff. So it's like, am I thinking of the, you know, the Zakovia chords or am I thinking of the, uh, um, the, the whole thing in, in, um, Was it Supergirl where they had like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole storyline of the alien, the alien things. And yeah, fair, different from mutants, but whatever.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, both of them are meant to be stand-ins for some oppressed community. Right. Um, Government oppression of mutants is baked into the DNA of the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, The first tangible bit of that was on the Lee and Kirby run where they came up with the Sentinels. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and y- you can read that a number of different ways. Uh, the way that, I think it's like Sean Howe and his, his, um, history of Marvel, he characterizes it as a uh, kind of red menace mm-hmm. thing, uh, thing, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the fear of communism. Red menace. In, in, menace. In, exactly. Yeah. 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 Fear of communism, um, period. Uh, but it's a yeah. You know, whatever. It's a stand-in for pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in the eighties, this would not necessarily. I mean, it would. It would. It, it is still any beleaguered minority. I know this man. Um, anti-homosexual legislation. Like there was a bunch of it mm-hmm. in the eighties. And it was a reaction to uh, those communities, I think being visible enough that there was a need to do more of that in the UK as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm I'm not going to be able to cite actual things. Um, A lot of this is based on uh, a comic that came out, say like 88, 89 Uh, uh, spearheaded by Alan Moore. The great Alan Moore, among others, uh, called ARG Artists Against Rampant Government Homophobia,
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and they they did talk about like you know there are these bits of legislation that, that are criminalizing homosexual mm-hmm. activities, and by the way, like, like laws have been on the books for ages. I was going to say that's
1: not that wasn't new, but yet. but
0: but what they're what they do, I mean, it's a lot like a lot of legislation in the United <laughs> States today. Um, you know, we, we've been trying to repress. XYZ, you know, there were already laws on the books. We're going to make additional laws. Mm-hmm. Right. And the intent is not solely to deepen the criminality of undesirable behavior, but to send a message to those communities. Right. Uh, so, like, anti-sodomy laws, I mean, it, it, like, they would have been on the books for a long time. Or even just not on the books, you'll just arrest people anyway because we don't even need a law for that.
1: Yeah, so weird. We yeah. know
0: <laughs> that it's wrong. So, what they'll do is, it, it, I don't know, um, they'll 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 make the penalty worse if it happens within 500 yards of a school right. or something There's like that. Some because we always in. want to equate, you know, the, the, the homophobes will equate homosexual behavior with uh, uh, pedophilia. Right. <laughs> Um what was my point? My point was that um you know at a boundaries time. Indians, yeah. Well but also like, and and, and it's a very eighties thing. Yeah. Uh I, I and and somebody with more knowledge is going to talk about how there are other communities that are being similarly uh discriminated against in a legal way. But you know, when I see this, like I immediately tie it into uh just how the 80s were you know a backlash from a lot of the gains that Again, you know, lesbian communities had hmm. made up until the because like uh, it, it it was still like not an awesome time, but like the 70s there there was an emergence of, mm-hmm. and an almost a tacit acceptance mm-hmm. of uh, of that reality. <laughs> that wasn't
1: the community that yeah. I like immediately think of when I when I read this. Maybe because I don't know. like,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're yeah. not really plugged into right, that, right, and right. and and again, like, and the other big asterisk. I mean, th- this is my uh, you know, possibly naive, possibly incomplete knowledge, uh, you, know, you know, being expressed. Yeah, but that's how I read it now. Yeah, what, what did you- happen? It was, like the early nineties. That was, I mean, it was Bill Clinton who signed the, the Defense of Marriage Act. Mm-hmm. Even then, the nineties at a federal level, we were legislating you were writing and passing anti-homosexual legislation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I graduated um, fucking college, college when that right, happened, right, man. Right. Yeah, we're pretty old.
1: Yeah. Um what did you think of this issue when you read Meh. it and reread it? Me. Yeah,
0: yeah it, 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 to me th- th- this is um this is a, a pretty disposable mm-hmm. uh, issue. Um it, it, it's it's like moving the the pieces on the chessboard a little bit. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I thought it was sweet. I liked the little uh you know, unrequited love story yeah between them um
0: it's all right it's funny because i i saw the cover like i remember that cover but i can't remember what the hell happens mm -hmm. in this issue and a year from now if you ask me what happens in this issue i might not remember
1: (laughs) have we met sunfire before that
0: was the other we have not i have.
1: have okay where was he when all that shit was happening with uh silver samurai or whatever the fuck his name was in uh, in japan i'm tired In you really uh, are. Yeah. yeah uh during the the wolverine four issue
0: saying that a japanese superhero needs to take play you know participate in every story that happens in japan is you know a little little narrow-minded hmm. japan's a big country
1: it's not really that big
0: uh in terms of population and economy <laughs> it is but whatever just
1: geographically it's not like was he just someplace else or... i mean like
0: england is not I mean, he's is just not the, not the one superhero either. i feel Britain like if there not was not you know either.
1: if wolverine was in town and he was duking it out with the thing and then there was yeah, that yeah, like yeah. big phoenix bird thing like just i mean i feel like he would have heard about it
0: probably did he was probably fighting some other japanese uh super Monster. villain mm-hmm. yeah i mean like like uh, Jap- japan is uh, you know multifaceted. okay uh so sunfire is a hero he first appeared in the X-Men Silver Age X-Men Pre Giant Size X-Men number 1 in like a one shot uh mutant and his powers are kind of vague he can fly and shoot
1: nuclear bolts like and shit that Xavier hands, was you know. kind of critical about
0: <laughs> um so he showed up pre uh, X-Men number 1 Giant Size X-Men number 1 he then ap- he then is in Giant Size X Men number one when Xavier is recruiting the new X Men,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and so he's one of the you know the the international team that Xavier mm-hmm. is assembling. He lasts, I think, one issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's in issue number ninety four. Even in to- Giant Size X Men number one, yeah. Sunfire is like, uh, "This team is jive, you know. I I, I work alone, baby." <laughs> um, but he he he. he I think lastly of that issue I may be remembering this right wrong, but I want to say like page two of uh, issue 94 which is when Claremont starts writing it Sunfire is like uh, see ya and he <laughs> steps out again back
1: to Japan Japan <laughs>
0: right right uh, he so, so you've not seen him he was in issue 94 he was in again in like you know the 120s or uh, something like that mm-hmm. Uh, when the X Men are in Japan, okay. the X Men they can't tear themselves away from that country. Japan, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, It's an interesting observation on like how obsessed with Japan America was at that
0: time. Oh hell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When we weren't writing anti anti gay legislation, or, about the or downplaying Soviets, the yeah. AIDS pandemic, um, epidemic, it's just, um, We were, we were talking about Japan in you know kind of racist yeah yeah no uh, talked about tones. that yeah, yeah because you know, like the auto industry and everything like this um japan in the 80s was uh, china in the 21st century mm-hmm. the, the, that, that was our international scapegoat for uh you know shifts in in the industrial base of the united states <laughs> yep.
1: yeah all true.
0: All true. Have you ever seen, what was it, Rising Sun, I think? Was, uh, um, Michael Crichton wrote the book.
1: I might have read the book.
0: Yeah. Possibly.
1: Yeah. But I don't think I've seen the... Who's in the film?
0: Uh, Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery.
1: Oh, maybe I have seen the film. Yeah. Hmm. How is um, it, How, how is it? Other than probably kind of racist.
0: Uh, it's not great. <laughs> um, one of the things that I don't like, and there's going to be a little, a slightly authentic element to this. Uh, They had a scene like this in Mad Men, because, you know, Mad Men, uh, Burt Cooper is is into all things Japan as well. Um, You get a lot of narrative play in decoding Japanese communication. Mm -hmm. Halt and Catch Fire does a thing like this as well. And, like, I get it. Communication is definitely cultured, and there are societal norms, but... It, that's like most of what we're talking about. Whenever there is an interaction with with people from Japan, mm-hmm. you know, like if he if he if he uh, uh, if he takes your business card with his left hand, that will mean that we're not going to do the deal. And it's like, okay, okay, Encyclopedia Brown. It's like <laughs> it's that level of, yeah. of narrative. Maybe what I'm saying is the japanese characters never have any depth right other than their cultural, they're like weird cultural very um, superficial cultural yeah. differences
1: rigidities yeah
0: yeah like you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a show where uh, an american goes to england and somebody has to explain to him now the word cheers can mean three different things <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it
0: can mean that you're toasting a drink it can mean thank you right <laughs> right Be- because that isn't very interesting right, right. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, what else do I want to rant about?
1: I don't know. What else do you want to rant about?
0: Uh, so apparently, yeah.
1: in September of 1983, and I did not know this or
0: mm-hmm.
1: remember it happening. Yeah. Um, the Russians shot down a Korean air. Oh yeah, yeah. Plane Korean 007. Went, yes, Korean yeah. 007. So that was somewhere I read said that when at the at the end of this one where. Um, the dragon flies into Soviet airspace yeah. and the, the guy says, uh, you know oh good or whatever let's see if they can shoot that down and there's sort of an emphasis on the that oh ooh, that that's, that's was sort kind of, of, of yeah. referencing uh, that incident I don't know if that's true or not but it was, um, the timing
0: probably
1: yeah the timing kind of makes yeah. sense because this was early 84 and that happened end of 83 and I guess that was yeah. a big international a thing big because deal. shocker Russia lied about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I was like I don't know there was a plane or maybe it wasn't yeah, we don't it, had it lights it had its lights off we don't know
0: yeah that's not even, that's not even the last plane that the Russians are shut down. Yeah. Um, I remember when that happened, and that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, period. Um, it was on the news for a while, like back when the news existed. You know, you know, there'd be like nightly news mm-hmm. at uh, six thirty or whatever. Uh, so I remember that yeah. being being a story for like a week or two, mm-hmm. It felt like a week or two. It was probably like four days or something, but um. Uh. Yep.
1: Yeah. So apparently that was, uh, you know, on their minds when they wrote that scene, or you know, maybe it wasn't. But like I said, the timing, the timing would work well, out. Actually, that, it,
0: yeah. that it could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. It probably is. Yeah. Actually, I said that was tasteless. Maybe it's a little bit like like I am trying to shoot that down. Right. Maybe they're trying to say like you know a little little bit of payback from the, yeah. the dragon. Right. Right. Another way to read it. Right. But uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Lockerbie. Uh, Lockerbie, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what it, it was a Malaysian Airlines uh, flight that the Russians shot down? Yes. Okay, because Malaysian Air they had two like back to back. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and that was I can't remember if that was before I think it was after the the two times that I flew Malaysia Airlines. I think it was after. Okay, um, and I don't know if I'm on record on this podcast yet, but I'll say this: I'll fly Malaysian Airlines
1: tomorrow if he could.
0: Yes. <laughs> Um, that was, uh, you know, I was, this is for work, so I got to, I got to fly business class. Mm. It was like a 12 hour flight from Kuala Lumpur to Rome. All the chicken satay I could eat, <laughs> which is definitely like. <laughs> it's
1: a lot of protein this for is, flying, but, uh, make whatever. Sure things
0: don't get. No, 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 but, but, uh, like, here's the thing. Here, here, like, here is, like, I, oh yeah, I definitely, you know, like, that business class uh, thing, like, yeah, definitely that. I can, I can. I can probably find a restaurant locally (laughs) where I say, like, I'm going to give you $200. (laughs) Keep bringing me chicken satay. and That's less than the cost. by a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, yeah, definitely pay, like, you know, 800 euro or 1,000 euro or whatever. Like, like the incremental additional cost uh, to do that. For the free Um, chicken satay. Yeah. And I get to watch movies on a really small screen.
1: (laughs) Was that what prompted business class day, those, uh...
0: Now, what prompted Business Class Day, and uh, for our listeners, we'll explain what this is in a moment. Actually, we'll explain it right now. Uh, you explain what Business Class Day is.
1: Business Class Day is when we all stay at home and pretend that we are on a business class flight. Right. Uh, so we basically watch movies and have snacks back to back all day long. Yeah, exactly. Usually four movies. Right. There are four, four of us, so we each pick a movie.
0: Yeah. The genesis of this is uh, when we were in Munich, I was meant to fly to the States. Oh, that's
1: right. It was a missed trip. Yeah, I meant yep. to fly to the
0: States, and work travel is something that I love and hate in equal measure, but um, look, I'm I'm not an animal. Uh, put me in business class between Munich to Philadelphia, wherever the fuck I was going, uh, or Newark, New Jersey, probably. Uh, it's like a nine-hour flight, and business class means that I get to start my flight with a glass of prosecco <laughs> and I, I watched like three movies yeah, we don't drink
1: in the drink middle of a the day of wine. yeah we don't
0: start with prosecco <laughs> yeah. because we no, no. You know, don't want to set and, a bad and, example and, for the kids but yeah. Yeah, yeah and i'm i'm not as young as i was then uh, anyway so so i was gonna fly somewhere but the flight was canceled like a day before i was meant to go or three days before i was, I was, I was leaving on a Sunday. And, like, on Friday, the flight gets canceled because there is a volcano.
1: Oh, that's right, the volcano. Yeah, yep.
0: the, the Icelandic volcano. Mm-hmm. So, like, we can't fly. And so I was, oh, man, I was really looking forward to the thing. And I was like, what am I looking forward to exactly? <laughs> I get to watch three or four movies and drink a bottle of wine and eat a bunch of, I, like, I eat some hot mixed nuts. <laughs> and I was like... I could actually do that at home in my living room yeah. for like 20 euro. <laughs> I could replicate the that experience. The hot mix nuts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that was when I realized just how smart I was <laughs> that I can replicate the business class experience yep. whenever I want yep. at home for a fraction of the cost. Yep. Yep. Thus was business class day born and from time to time. Yeah, you know, Carve out like eight hours <laughs> yeah. and... Just watch uh, some guilt-free movies. Yep. Have some hot nuts. Hot uh, nuts. No, I shouldn't have said hot nuts <laughs> because you're just going to be giggling. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm done. Like Beavis and Putthead. I, I thought
1: that third one yeah. was going to be too much.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. It, it was just the right amount. Yeah. Just the right amount of hot nuts.
1: <laughs> um, We talked about our anniversary
0: Happy, anniversary. Happy 14, anniversary. 14 years and uh you're you're awesome and amazing. I would do it all over again. Yep. I don't have to because uh we're gonna be married until um, until we die. It always takes a dark turn it when does, I say that. We're yeah. gonna be ew, okay. We're gonna be married for uh ever. Yes.
1: All the ever that Okay. One of us has. That really went south. Yeah. I'm very
0: happy that I'm married to you. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I love you. You're my best friend and you're amazing.
1: And today is Mother's Day. So, uh, happy Mother's you know, Day. However, however you feel about Mother's Day, um, you know, we, we, we are with you there. Yeah.
0: Mixed, mixed emotions there as yeah. usual, and particularly uh, these days. Yeah. 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 I'm not as depressed as I was last Sunday. I, I, um, Friday and Saturday were good. I'm kind of like, like, like in the middle good. right now today. Right. I was in a good mood Friday. I was in a, was a basket case on Thursday. Yep. Yeah. And uh now kind of somewhere in between. Day
1: by day. Day by day. All right. Yeah, baby. I don't have anything else. We might be short on time, but I'm about to fall asleep, so
0: um then I'm going to let you off the hook. Next week um uh next week whatever. Uh, next week we're going to read week the X-Men. We'll
1: read the next issue of the X-Men, which is issue 182
0: yeah and then the week after that
1: we will read issue 183
0: okay slow down then okay i'm gonna need a pen and paper uh two weeks and then then we're gonna take a week off we're gonna take a week off after two weeks yeah then i want to go back and read the dark phoenix yeah let's do it we should talk about the dark phoenix well
1: let's do that the week after we come back
0: yeah yeah take that with you because you've got the trade paper back
1: yep that's a great thing to take okay
0: All right. Uh, See you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the X Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa.